coyote chewing on a cigarette pack of young boys going howling at the moon. Head darling, sleeping on the black top. Head darling, running through the trees, honey. Head darling, leaving for the next town. Lesson my sense catches up with me. Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Sleeping on the blacktop. That's the music of Coulter Wall kicking things off for us on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, There's no place I'd rather be than talking hunt, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks, my kind of folks. Uh, no doubt about that. So, uh, you know what to do by now. We've been at this for almost eight years. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pull yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos. You know, the Stanley green thermos with the mud caked on it. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. And, hey, don't be putting any cream or sugar in it. Drink it black like a real man. <laughs> that's what my grandfather always told me anyway. And somewhere along the line, uh, I started listening to him. And so it's either black or maybe uh, there's a little Silver Star Texas whiskey in there from time to time. But whatever the case, cream and sugar, that's for all those uh, anti-hunting, probably non-fishing Starbucks yuppies out there. No offense uh, if you do like Starbucks, but not my cup of tea. Anyway, well, we've got a good one lined up for you. And off the top, we're going to head up to British Columbia and do a little moose hunting with Lily Sams. She is the daughter of of uh, our good friend David Sams. He's the owner of Lone Star Outdoor News, great photographer and outdoor writer in his own right. And he and his daughter Lily uh, recently went on a bucket list moose hunt for the ages. I mean, the weather didn't cooperate. They about froze to death, but a big bull went down. And uh, Lily, who we ran into at the uh, Dallas Safari Club show, uh, She'll actually join us for two segments. We're going to talk all about that hunt because if you're like me, moose hunting, yeah, that is definitely something that is pretty dang close to the top of my bucket list. Uh, So cool stuff coming up here with Lily Sams. Then we'll switch gears and check in with Carl Van Sale of John X Safaris. Some cool stuff happening with John X on South Africa's Eastern Cape. And uh, Carl will be here to alleviate on that as far as uh, we're going to talk about some of the animals I'll be hunting with Carl in July. Kudu, eland, uh, caracal, bushbuck, warthog, and the list. Actually, there's about eight animals on my list. Uh, But (laughs) Carl will tell us which ones he believes will be the most difficult and have the lowest success rate. Uh, Also, we'll talk about conservation and the future generation of hunters and and what John X Safaris and South Africa in general, you know, what they're doing to make sure that younger folks understand the value of hunting when it comes to conservation. Because we all know that hunting is conservation. And if it wasn't for hunters, there would be far less wildlife. I know it sounds weird to say that, you know, killing something actually makes more something. But at the end of the day, uh, that's how it works. Uh, Then we'll wrap up today's broadcast by checking in with one of my favorite huntresses, one of my favorite, really, personalities in outdoor television. She's about as good as it gets, a real salt-of-the-earth kind of gal and one whose just passion is is hunting. It's not all about the social media and uh, the celebrity for her. She just wants to hunt. Melissa Bachman will be here, host of Winchester's Deadly Passion. Uh, We'll get into some whitetail hunting, 
um, what it means to her as far as being a role model for young women who are interested in hunting, and then the infamous lion hunt of 2013. I'm really excited about that uh, as well. So cool stuff coming up with Melissa at the bottom of the hour. That's what is on the docket for today. It's going to be a good one. I guarantee you that. A couple other things to mention here. Don't forget that our January photo of the month contest is rocking and rolling. We're offering up a guided fly fishing trip with myself. No, I will not be doing the guiding because you don't want to spend your entire day hung up in shrubs. But Beaver's Bend Fly Shop head guide Peter Breeden will be doing the guiding. And so uh, whoever wins and myself will join Peter on an epic fly fishing trip on the lower Mountain Fork River system up there in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Uh, so another great photo of the month grand prize. And then our uh, 12 monthly winners from 2017 will square off once again at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy black buck or axis deer with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So get those photos in. Send them to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Better yet, use that hashtag LSOS Photo Contest on Instagram or uh, put them on our Facebook page wall. Just get them to me. We'll get it sorted out, get you entered into the monthly contest. Uh, one other thing to mention, we've got a brand new logo. If you haven't seen it, it's up on our uh, iTunes feed, on our all of our social media outlets. And so I've created a new t-shirt. I think y'all might like the saying on the back, but essentially it has our new Lone Star Outdoor Show logo. It's a charcoal t-shirt. And on the back, it says vegans, comma, L-M-A-O. <laughs> That's all. That's what it says. I, and then hashtag I eat venison. So check it out. We've got it put up on our social media stuff and you can order it on Teespring sizes, uh, small through 3XL. So uh, grab one of those bad boys. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a Lone Star Ag Credit Camo Cap, a Lone Star Beer Camo Koozie, and a Lone Star Outdoors Show sticker. First person to text in. That's right, first person this week to text in the word conservation. We'll send you the Lone Star Camo Prize Pack. All right, let's take a break. Up next, we're going to head to British Columbia, do a little moose hunting with Lily Sams right here on DSC. and Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's a storm in my rear view and a city on my nerve. He's a mind in the straightaway and there's comfort in the curve. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace 
race that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. St. Genevieve can hold back the water, the saints don't bother with the tears stained There's a little sun bolt coming at you. Cable Smith welcoming everybody back to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Power Polaris, so great to be here with you. Thank you for sharing a part of your weekend with me. If you're tuning in via the podcast, I appreciate you doing that as well. Either way, I am certainly glad to have you, and it's a treat to be here celebrating the outdoor lifestyle with you. We've certainly got a great guest lined up for you here and an interesting topic to get into regarding moose hunting, something that has long been on my bucket list. But before we do that, This segment of the show is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. If you haven't seen the new Come and Take It can, check it out. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the lease or to the lake. And remember, drink responsibly. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. All right. Uh, Well, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest today. Like I said, moose hunting is something that uh, I've long wanted to do. It's a very expensive endeavor. Um, for the kind of moose that I want to take, but uh, you can go. Don't 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 think you're priced out because you can go take a shearer's moose, or you can go hunt in Maine for that matter, pretty affordably. Uh, but if you want to go up to Alaska or British Columbia or the Yukon and really experience that uh, horseback backcountry style moose hunt, uh, it can get a little pricey. Uh, but Lily Sams, the daughter of our good friend David Sams, president and owner of Lone Star Outdoor News, great photographer and writer as well. We caught up with her at the Dallas Safari Club show a couple weeks ago and uh, sat down and were able to have a great conversation on that experience. And uh, for me, as someone with two young girls of my own, I'm really drawn to these kind of stories of of fathers and daughters getting into the outdoors together. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that discussion with Lily Sams. Lily, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure, pleasure. Um, so I guess first of all, how long have you been hunting with your old man? A long time, it feels <laughs> like now. Um, so we kind of started out when I was five years old. That was like when we were first allowed to go uh-huh. um, on the hunting trip. So we started uh, duck hunting. I remember like, oh, it's so special. We got to get up early in the morning and mm-hmm. we go out and He'd make us hot chocolate, and we got um, Skittles or M&Ms, like a special little treat. And yeah. I don't know. It was just nice, like, spending time with your dad, right? So Do you know why he gave you those Skittles? To keep me quiet? Yes, yeah. Because I took my four-year-old son on his first duck hunt uh, earlier this year, and it was like, how many snacks – what can I give him to keep him preoccupied just for five more minutes so daddy can hunt, you know? Oh, he got really angry at me because I really love to make tunes with the duck calls. Oh, yeah. Any, anything I could come up with, and he was like, that's not what it sounds like. And I'm like, well, it well, sounds pretty, right? It's entertaining. Like and he's like, you're ruining this. <laughs> yes. No. Um, so five years old and uh, 
kept duck hunting and it was kind of turned into like our Thanksgiving uh, Mm -hmm. tradition. We would go out there every year and then it became a whole family thing once uh, Mimi, my younger sister, was able to come. Uh, And then when I was 13, we got invited to go to this uh, ranch and I really wasn't into shooting big game. I just Mm kind of sat there. I I actually hadn't shot any animals. I just was just going with my dad. It was so special. And I don't know what 13-year-old me was thinking but I was like you know I'm gonna take this one and after I shot that first year I, I was hooked awesome yeah. so whitetail whitetail yeah okay very cool. well yeah and I figured you you were probably you know born into that much like my my children are as well because I'm a big fan of, of David's publication Lone Star Outdoor News um, which is in my opinion the best uh, print publication for any outdoorsman or woman in Texas I mean it covers everything um, I'd have to agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I have two young girls. Uh, they just turned two. And I'm a little anxious about, you know, obviously you embrace the outdoors, but I, I'm kind of scared about maybe they're going to like ballet or, or Barbie dolls. And I guess all that's okay. but Well, I like that stuff too. Uh-huh. And I think what my dad did was that was so special is he never pushed us to do it. Uh-huh. Like, you know, we'd go out there and think, yeah, there were some mornings where, I didn't want to go get up early and go out to the field. He said, you know, that's fine. If you want to go in the afternoon, that's available. And he always made it available to us, but never pushed us. Uh And he also took like a more of an education route. Like this is, this is why we do this. And he would bring home like his ducks if he went out on his own, you know, and he'd cut them open. Like, look, this is what they were eating. And, uh, this is how they fly. And this is what sounds they make. And I putting that education aspect into it, like, I don't know, really made it interesting and you have a greater appreciation for what you're doing. You're Mm -hmm. not just sitting out there killing. Right, right. That's not what it's about. So, um, So yeah. He instilled that in you at a, you know, at an early age. And uh, so, yeah, just let the game come to you. Um, What I really want to talk about today, though, is, I mean, it's a bucket list hunt for me. I'm sure that uh, this was one that you got to check off of your list because you and your dad just went to British Columbia and you shot a uh, a pretty awesome moose. I did. Yeah. So what what month did you guys actually go? Uh, we went in October, but uh-huh. we had like five years ago. We started like, what's gonna be our next? What's gonna be our next trip? Uh, this was a gift for my college graduation. Uh-huh. My dad believes in like experiences rather than physical things, and I mean, going on an awesome hunting adventure is yeah. like a pretty awesome experience. Uh, so we'd been talking about it like five years ago, and. We were trying to, like, we wanted to find the right outfitter to go with, you know, so we talked to everyone that we possibly could, and we got to get the right deal and the right time, and what was my job going to be looking like at that time, and we decided, you know what, who knows, we don't know about the future, but we're booking this, um, so we actually went in October. Wow, so there, so quite a few years of planning, Yeah. and for our listeners, uh, tell them where you live and what you do for a living, because I imagine... Most of your friends back home, where you call home now, probably think it's pretty crazy that you wouldn't shot a moose. Yeah. So I live in New York. Um, I'm a photo editor at a digital media company called Mashable. Um, It is a different way of life than uh, the laid back Texas scene. You Mm -hmm. know, it is busy and crazy and everyone has their different views. And I can guarantee I'm probably the only hunter in my in my whole building. <laughs> um, so I told my, I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I'm going on this special trip with my dad. He's like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to British Columbia. It's probably going to be snowing and I'm going moose hunting and horseback riding for, you know, 10 days. And he was like, 
that's pretty damn awesome. I know nothing about it. I don't know why you think that's a vacation, but you go for it. And it, it was actually kind of cool because I sent him like I sent him a message on the trip after I got the moose and I was like, hey, just wanted to say thank you. Like I'm having an awesome time and I actually got my moose and I'm really excited about it. He goes, Lily, I don't understand this and I can't relate to you, but this is so freaking cool. Yeah. I sent this to everyone in the whole company. And when I came back to the office, people were congratulating me, like asking me about it and people who normally like wouldn't have thought of hunting. Um, as a sport came up and they're like, I want to learn more about this because that was, that was badass. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. That it was pretty is, awesome. That is really cool. Uh, and I told you, um, when we were visiting earlier, my wife lived in New York for two and a half years and we were dating. And so I've experienced New York, uh, a very cool place to visit. I couldn't live there. So props to you as a native North Texan who's naked <laughs> in, in the big apple. That's pretty awesome. And the fact that you were able to, uh, you know, instill some of that education that your dad uh, instilled in you at a very young age and here you are passing it on to a bunch of your coworkers who really don't understand hunting right but you're you know probably a very eye-opening thing for them so that's awesome as well so talk about British Columbia as far as you're there in October what's what is the weather like um it was unseasonably cold uh -huh. um so I wasn't expecting that I've gotten all this gear and my dad's like really afraid you're going to be cold. I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. I like the cold. <laughs> well, we in New York, Dad. Come on. Yeah, right? <laughs> and we get there, meet our guide, Booker, and I kind of tell him what clothes I have, and he's like, oh, honey, this is not going to be good. <laughs> we, get to the, we get to the lodge, and he pulls out these, uh, they're like overalls, but they're basically like sleeping bags for your legs, you know? <laughs> and he's like, I think you should wear these. So here I am walking around in his man pants, I feel like the abominable snowman. I can't walk. I, they're putting me on the horse because I can't move my legs. Um, but it was, yeah, it was uh, really, really cold to say the least. And this, so this is complete backcountry. Like you said, horseback. Are you guys, uh, is camp in a tent or is there a lodge or? So when you first get there, you fly, you first get into Fort St. John. Mm -hmm. That's your first stop after you go through Vancouver, it's like a smallish town stay at a hotel and he picks you up the next day right so you drive about an hour then you get to this parking lot he's like now we're getting on a plane so you get in the um, a little tiny yeah super cup <laughs> and you're sitting in this makeshift seat in the back and i had never been in a plane that small and i was i was a little nervous a little hairy, yeah. i grabbed onto a seat a few times he's just laughing like oh this girl oh no so we fly about 45 minutes to the main lodge stay at the main lodge then the next day, we fly another 45 minutes to a smaller cabin. That's where the horses are. Mm -hmm. So then we get on, stay the night, get on the horses the next day. We rode like six hours straight up and down mountains, like so steep that you're leaning back as far as you can on that horse, and you can barely see the horse's ears. Wow. And I've done a lot of horseback riding, um, but this was the most intense horseback riding I've ever done. A little white knuckle ride. Yeah. 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 And you're like freezing and you can't feel your legs and you're like I'm just holding on here <laughs> um so six hour horseback ride and then you get to this small uh one room cabin uh we stayed there and then um Cole who was helping out Booker um the guys they stayed in a tent outside wow. we invited them in but I think they were trying to like be respectful but I was like it is so cold mm -hmm. out there I I don't know how they did it 
All right. Well, now that we've got the uh, the background for this epic moose hunt, all the details, planning that went into it, the conditions. So let's table it here, and when we come back, we'll find out how things played out when Lily came face-to-face with that bull moose of her dreams. That's up next, right here on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show. Kicking ass is getting old, taking names takes its toll on a worn-out, busted, beat-up soul like mine. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my Custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Hey, this is Jamie Richards. Thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. At the Holiday Inn in Dallas, one-off LBJ, you can see the sign from the freeway, exit 19A. At the end of the hall on the top floor, overlooking the pool. Hey, welcome everybody back to DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Polaris. Don't try to Don't find me, a little Jamie Richards there. I love that tune, by the way. Uh, this segment of the show, proudly brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd. So uh, for all your planting needs, check them out at SenderoSeed.com, or you can call Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today All right, uh, well, let's go ahead now. And jump back into it with Lily Sams. And we actually taped this discussion at the Dallas Safari Club convention a couple weekends ago. Uh, So Lily gave us the background on this bucket list, a college graduation gift from her dad, moose hunt that they shared together. And, you know, as a father, uh, I'll reiterate that I love seeing this this bonding between a, a father and daughter through hunting. I hope that my girls are uh, are just like Lily, to be honest, and love hunting with me just like she does with her dad. So anyway, frigid temperatures, you know, knee-deep snow. They're on horseback in the backcountry in British Columbia. And so, Lily, here you are in British, British Columbia. You don't even have clothes warm enough uh, for the experience. I mean, you borrowed some bibs from the outfitter just so you wouldn't freeze your tail off. But talk about the actual hunt itself. How many days uh, did it take before you guys found your moose, and and talk about what that experience was like uh, as far as getting on that big bull. We were out there for eight days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got, you're riding like almost 20 miles a day uh, just looking, and there's so much land that they have to cover, so you're just, you're walking, and if you see something, you get off and like try to call back and forth. So is this during the, the rut? Um, this was past the rut. Okay. So we were kind of like in this weird, like it's about to hit like super cold winter post rut. Mm -hmm. What are the animals going to be doing? Um, And it was so cold that not a lot of things were moving. So that first day, you know, we settled in, kind of explored the land and we're like, okay. Uh, And then it was actually the second day that we saw my moose. And actually the rest of the trip, we didn't see another moose. We had some really cool interactions calling back and forth, but Mm -hmm. 
Uh, never saw another one. Never saw another one. So I got extremely lucky. And so the outfitter booker, and this is something, you know, all the hunting shows you see, uh, the guides are, they're calling with their mouths. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. It was hilarious. The first time he did it, he's like, oh, I, I can't, I can't even, right. he's, yeah, he's got this like <laughs> thing going and he's got his hands up there. And honestly, the first time he did it, I was like, what's going on? What oh, are you no. doing, dude? Oh, yeah. I was like, are you going to scare him away? And yeah. he's like, that, that's the sound girl. And I was like, okay, I trust you. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. Very cool. So how far was your shot? And, and also tell us what, uh, what caliber, what gun are you taking on a moose hunt? I have a seven um, millimeter Mauser. It mm-hmm. was my dad's uh, first rifle, and he passed it down to me. We were, he was going to get me my own gun, and I said, you know, I really like yours, and I like the history. And so he kindly um, let me take that for my own. So, How far away was the moose when you actually pulled the trigger? And where did, does the guide tell you on a moose, you know, typically if I'm shooting a trophy, North American big game, with a rifle, I'm going to shoot it in the shoulder because I want the animal just to drop. Right. You, know, you might waste a little meat, but at the end of the day, he's not going to go anywhere if you take his, uh, you know, his four-wheel drive out. So. Right. Uh, look, can I explain the little uh, our little pre-story? Oh, sure. to the, Okay. Yeah. So we're riding around, and I mean, it's it's getting pretty cold. And Booker's like, "Hey, do you want to stop, build a fire?" And I go, "No, let let's just keep going." Well, luckily we didn't stop because. Do you want right, to stop and build a fire just to get like warm your hands up a little bit? Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> So we turned the corner and we actually see tracks and they were pretty fresh. And so the guys were getting excited Uh and I'm just trying to stay calm. Like you don't want to get too excited. You never know what you're going to see. So we turn the corner and we get off. We're like, let's just glass a little bit because we're overlooking this valley area with the river. And Booker goes off in the bushes and pees and Cole's like out there glass and Cole's like, oh gosh, Booker, get over here. He comes running back. He's like, what do you see? I can't even see the moose at this time. And he's walking, and he's, like, going behind trees and stuff. My eyes just can't even focus on it. I'm looking, but I, I cannot see him. So we start crawling down in the snow over to an area where I could get a nice shot. I'm, like, sitting there. I still can't see this guy. And I'm, like, I'm just I'm just trusting we're, we're going in the right direction. And I go, hey, Booker, do you mind if I pull up the scope? Uh, my hands, it's on safety. Like, my hand's off the trigger. I just want to check it out, like, so I can feel comfortable. And he's, like, Lily, it's time to shoot. There he is. <laughs> so he's 150 yards away, uh-huh. and I had never actually shot. I haven't shot a deer straight on before, and that was the direction the moose was coming, and that was going to be my shot. So. Oh wow! So he tells you take the straight on shot. Take the straight on shot. So mm-hmm. I lined it up, and boom, he drops. You know that sign of relief, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh, I I just shot my moose, right? right? Stands right back up. I'm like, oh no. Turns, gives me a nice broadside shot. Drop him again. That guy, those animals are big. Yeah, so, like how many pounds would you say your moose weighed? 1,200, maybe a little less. Resilient. Yeah. Um, so he stands back up and he just starts running. And you've got, After two good shots. Yeah. <laughs> you've got this like, oh, no. It, you, you don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. Like, I shot him. I know I got him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's obviously on the ground. Uh, he goes running and Booker's like, oh, we got him. He's just going to die. Uh-huh. So, you know. Our guide in Africa, Herman, he said, an animal can run, but he's going to die tired. You know, so that was what my new moose was doing. So we're on the top of this hill, and it's like, it's go time. Booker and Cole, they're running to go meet this moose. My dad is in front of me. I'm running in the abominable snowman (laughs) pants, right? Just running two feet of snow. 
I'm I'm just falling over myself, but I mean, you've got that like joy and adrenaline, and we get to the river. Booker crouches down. He's like, "Get on my back. We're going." Piggyback rides me over to the other side. Across the river. Across the river. So my pants didn't get wet. Uh-huh. You know, didn't want to make her any more cold. Yeah. And there he is, just laying down. And when you walk up and you get close to that thing. It's just like kind of breathtaking. You, I didn't realize how big he was. Sure. You know, I didn't have that that little look of him before it was time for the shot. So I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And walking up and seeing that beautiful trophy was, it was awesome. Very cool. And I read in uh, in this publication, Mountain Hunter, which you're on the cover. Uh, yes, you and your that's dad. right. Yeah. Great picture here. Great article your dad wrote. Um, I read this was the biggest moose that they shot. This yeah, year. this whole year, yeah. yeah. So what I, did you guys score it? I mean, I don't know. What, uh, um, it hasn't been scored, and honestly, I'm not a person that right. I need to know every single point. When the guide says, when the guide that's the says, biggest one we've shot this year, you're like badass. You're like, I'm going to take that. That's <laughs> yeah. all I need to know. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Talk about the uh, the butchering process, and which you've got a 1,200-pound animal on the ground. Uh, how long did it take to get this thing quartered up and, and back to the, the cabin, which is like, three camps away from the it's like a, it's like a two-hour horseback ride back <laughs> um so you know we take our pictures uh-huh. obviously we got to make them look nice and uh do all that business and then uh oh gosh well the unfortunate part was we weren't really prepared for uh-huh. actually getting a moose that day so like of course we don't have the right knives so booker is working on this animal with the smallest pocket knife I've ever seen in my life with disposable blades, <laughs> yeah. right? There it goes, just cutting away. Um, they pull out all the uh, the best parts of the moose, so like mm-hmm. the back strap and all that stuff. Just toss it in the snow. Um, you know, I'd, we want to do a European mount, so we kind of like, you kind of start cutting around the head mm-hmm. and do as much as you can. But as soon as it's like, you know, it was almost, it was getting to be pretty dark. And we really didn't want to go back in the in the pitch black. So they were like, well, tarp it over and we'll come back tomorrow. So we loaded up the meat that we could get and we did get off um, into these panniers that go on the horses. Um, and we rode back our, our two hours back to the cabin and immediately blood still in Booker's fingernails. He's cutting up the meat, frying it up in a little butter, salt and pepper. And like oh, within cool within like 30 minutes, you're eating the moose that you just shot uh-huh. it was it was a really cool experience awesome, awesome and tasty yes and so um with an animal like that i mean did you guys have a lot of that meat shipped back home or how, how did that um out? we're working on it yeah. uh booker was going to drive it down for us and the permits didn't work out and they were like basically we're going to take this away from you if you try uh-huh. um so i don't know it's going to have to be shipped or something but yeah. i I'm ready because uh, his wife, Amber, she gave me a lot of good recipes to try. So I'm excited. Very cool. Very cool. Well, so what an awesome experience. Uh, uh, it was a long time coming. Like you said, there was a lot of planning that went into this hunt, uh, five years in the yeah. making, and it all came to uh, fruition for you in October. Unfortunately, you're, that was the only moose you saw, and so David didn't get his moose. But I think uh, just from reading the article, he didn't care. He didn't care. Yeah. I, I mean, I was a little sad that he didn't. I wanted both of us to, but he had some really cool experiences calling back and forth with them. Um, so he was kind of satisfied in that. And I don't know, to be able to watch his daughter yeah, yeah. shoot the moose that we had been talking about for so long, 
I, he was pretty happy. Yeah. Well, and that's that's really why I wanted to have you on the show. Just as a, a father myself, like I said, two young girls, it kind of uh, inspired me and just seeing the way that your dad raised you um, to share his passion for the great outdoors. I mean, inspired me as well. So we've cool. uh, we've just we've always been so close, um, and it's just that special bond that we have. Like, you know, sometimes it's hard, like day to day. We're wor- he's working, I'm working, or when I was younger, you're at school, and just so much is going on. And to be able to enjoy the outdoors and have that alone time together where you can catch up and like talk talk about things on a deeper level, that's really special. And this this moose trip, honestly, we have never been closer. Yeah. After that, like he his he's one of my best friends, so like that it was a really cool experience and. It really brought us closer together, and I'm very thankful for that. That's awesome. And and your younger sister, I think she – well, she told me yesterday that uh, she's got a uh, Australian buffalo hunt in the works. Yes. Which uh, she's going to be going on with your dad as well. So maybe we'll have her on the show sometime. Uh, you should. She future. picked the warmer weather trip. Yeah, so good said. for her. <laughs> but I, I really love the challenge of the moose hunt, and it's kind of inspired me like – I'm into the tougher hunts now. Like, yeah. what's my next hunt going to be? I don't know, but I want it to be a challenge. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Lily. We certainly uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. I've loved it. All right. All right, there she goes, Lily Sams. I tell you what, she is her father's daughter. There is no doubt about that. Uh, David, a great outdoor photographer, writer, and uh, owner of Lone Star Outdoor News, good friend of our show as well, and an inspiration to me, just seeing that relationship that he and his daughters have uh, when it comes to the bond that they share, uh, not just a father-daughter bond, but one that has been strengthened due to that shared passion for the great outdoors. So cool stuff there. And by the way, I mean, taking a bull moose, who doesn't want to do that? Uh, awesome stuff from Lily. Uh, that segment proudly brought to you by the Stillwaters Ranch in Lano, Texas. If you're looking for that last-minute trophy hunt, they've still got a few MLD tags and a couple bucks on the hit list, uh, but you need to do it now because they're starting to lose their antlers. Give my buddy Clayton Leverett a call. Uh, you can find all his info right there at stillwatersranch.com. Okay, let's take a break. Up next, we'll be joined by our longtime friend, Carl Fancil of John X Safaris. I'm getting ready for my first South African safari. I've got a hit list of about seven to ten animals. Uh, Carl's going to tell us which ones of those I'm going to find the most challenging hunt. Plus, we're going to talk about educating that future generation of hunters. Uh, John X Safaris has a cool foundation, and they're doing lots of good work on the ground with native South Africans. We'll get into that here momentarily on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And I've got... Two dollars in the jukebox Five dollars in a bottle Ten more just in in the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, 
full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Great Gary Stewart, flat natural, good timing man, bringing us back on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Powerful Harris. I'm Cable Smith. It is so great to be here talking outdoors with you today. Uh, our next guest is a brother from another mother, uh, Carl Van Seal of John X Safari. He's a flat natural, good timing man in his own right. And we're going to go on safari here with Carl momentarily. But first, this segment of the show brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. We'd love to have you get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about hunter education, hunter's rights, and conservation. For more info, go to our website and check us out at biggame.org. Okay, uh, well, let's bring him on now. A good friend of the show, someone that we are looking forward to hunting with on our first safari coming up here in July. And actually, uh, we taped this interview at the Dallas Safari Club convention uh, just a few weeks back. And I was a little skeptical on the sound quality just from being so close to the stage uh, where uh, there was lots of activity going on and, and just so many people talking in one room at one time. But uh, after going back and, and listening to it myself, uh, didn't turn out bad. So without further ado, uh, let's go ahead now and take a listen uh, to our latest visit with Carl Van Seal. Carl, how in the hell are you, man? Are you enjoying your time in Texas? Yeah, having a good time. <laughs> Gabe. Good to be back in the U.S., good to be back in the great state of Texas, and great to be down at Data Safari Club. The good people down here, and it seems to be a good show. Yeah, no, no doubt, no. Uh, did you ever think you'd come to Texas and see snow? Man, I'm <laughs> yet to see that, and this year is the first time I've ever seen that. Um, usually the weather's been very kind to us, so us Africans coming from 100, 110 in summer, Dallas is normally a good introduction to the U.S., and now I tell you, it's everything is thrown out the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 20 degrees with snow on the ground. It's crazy. Um, well, hey, you know, you've been outfitting for oh, your entire life. I mean, uh, it's a family business, second-generation uh, owner operator of, of John X Safaris, which I know big things uh, kind of just came to fruition for you guys as you, as you moved the entire operation. Yeah, after 20 years, Cable, um, we've moved our entire operation from uh, our family owned Big Five Game Reserve and we now have moved to Woodlands Game Reserve. Uh, it's a magnificent 30,000 acre property, uh, 22 different species of game to hunt. Unbelievable Cape Buffalo, Plains game combination. And that combined with our northern areas and our traditional areas on the coast is going to be making for one exciting year. And the future is looking good. We're very excited and nice to see the excitement from all our old clients and friends coming down to talk to us about it at Dallas Safari Club. Yeah. 
talk a little bit about what separates John X Safaris from all the other safari companies here. Yeah, okay, well, I think what we've learned over time is it's impossible to offer 35 species like we do in the Eastern Cape and expect all those species to occur in one property, one area. Uh, we would never maintain the quality. We would never maintain uh, conservative quotas. So what we've gone and done and separated ourselves from the rest of the pack is basically taken our operation, expanded into the entire Eastern Cape. So we followed the game into the areas where they naturally occur, where they naturally are better quality. So we don't see the point of hunting a gemsbuck in the coastal area where they don't naturally occur. What's the point of putting them down there that don't like the ticks? Uh, we want to hunt them in the area where they naturally occur, uh, where they free range. And uh, so we... We stick to that formula. Let's follow the game where they the happiest, where they like to um, occur naturally and hunt them in that those areas. So on any given hunt, uh, what separates ourselves from many of our competitors is that you will actually experience a two-fold safari in one, two for the price of one, where you will experience the great Karoo as well as the coastal hunting. So it's two completely different styles of hunting, variety of species and vegetation and terrain. So I think that that really adds up for the discerning hunter in, in his experience and being able to experience two areas at, on one safari. Right, right. Well, I'm looking forward to that as well. And, and you know, you've seen my list. It's it's pretty nice. We've got kudu, impala, warthog, caracal, which I love hunting with dogs. So I, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, eland, virtual zebra, and, and a few others. Let me ask you, which of those species do you think will be the toughest hunt i think it's gonna more than likely be the the kudu and the eland uh those two could really keep us uh busy and and you're gonna see plenty of them but we obviously wanting to find something exceptional we're wanting to put on a special hunt for that and i tell you the one that can really put the snag in the works to and often is an understated one is the caracal the lynx yeah. you know hounds hunting is very exciting <laughs> but oh it can also go south real quickly so you're hoping for nice wet conditions in the morning so scenting can be good uh that that wind doesn't pick up until after midday because it's really that mid that that early morning to mid morning that you really have the most action so i would say the caracal that's an exciting hunt in its own, and that's the one that you sometimes understate it, but it can be tough. It takes you two, three days to achieve the desired results on that. But when it does get going, it's exciting in the hounds and the valleys. Only two to three days, man. Well, I've invested 17 days now in Colorado in the last year chasing mountain lion, and I have nothing to show for it. A lot of great memories. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And we, we caught two females, yeah. uh, but we let them go. So I know the hound hunting – hound hunting – uh, for cats is is uh, like you said, it's not an easy thing. There's no there's no guarantee on that front. No, not at all. And it's well, for me, what really turns it on is it's so different to your traditional hunting. Um, the hounds bring that level of excitement to it that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. L let me uh, shift gears here, Carl. I want to focus on giving back and yeah. understanding the value in the next generation of hunters, which is something I know. John X Safaris is very passionate about. Uh, tell us about your Junior Hunters program. You're okay. Well, I would say about 10 years ago, we sat down actually at the Dallas Safari Club show. And as a company, we, we noticed how few kids were on the floor number one. 
and we were trying to think how few of them were actually hunting. When I was a young boy, I remember my dad starting the business and there used to be numerous buddies on safari for me. Guys would be bringing their sons along to hunt in Africa and it was great fun for me. I could hang out and join them on the hunt. <laughs> um, and that, that died away. You know, uh, the world has changed somewhat and traveling is expensive. We, we know that, we understand that. And um, society has changed in a certain manner too with its view on hunting. And we want to take that on. We want that tradition and the passion we have for the hunting to be revived. And, and for that reason, we started an initiative at John X Forest where if any parent, grandparent, uncle or aunt, a family member, a guardian, whoever you may be to a young, aspiring, passionate hunter, if you would like to bring them to Africa. We're going to sponsor their day fee if you'd be so kind to sponsor their flight. Uh, we felt if they were going uh, to put be out of pocket on a flight, we'll be out of pocket on a day fee, but we're going to get the kid hunting and he, he'll just be charged his trophies he offers. Awesome, awesome. And also, though, talk about, um, I know you all put on an event. It, it might have been even like a multiple day thing. Uh, tell me more about that because I remember seeing pictures on your Instagram account. Yeah, um, we went beyond that, uh, not just your traveling hunter, but we took our uh, previously disadvantaged communities down in South Africa in our hunting areas, and we we have a goal to, 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 to look at our society and look at a certain group of people that would never have grown up with hunting and a hunting background. Um, you know, to take some of our trackers' sons, they know what it's about. They are... Um, they, they are in the industry, so to speak. But we went and took a group of people in our society from previously disadvantaged communities and we introduced them to hunting. We took them on a camp for four or five days and we taught them everything from holding a rifle, gun safety, to camping, to track identification, to tracking, to birding, to game identification, and finally culminating into their first hunt and their first kill and then utilizing the meat the trophy and explaining the value of hunting for conservation, the value of protecting the wildlife and the economy that can grow around that and the jobs that can be created and it, just trying to explain and get through with sustainable utilization. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was our, our most important message and then the spin-off that came from that event has been amazing and support throughout the United States for that program and the sponsorship thereof has been unbelievable. Um, Last year, we looked at $500 a kid. You could sponsor a kid for the school. This year, we're looking at $600 a kid. There's a couple of uh, additions we want to make to the school. And um, I can tell you there's two, three guys already in who want to sponsor kids. And if there's anybody else who wants to sponsor kids, they're most welcome to reach out to you, Cable, and mm -hmm. see if they can get in touch with us. Uh, there's 10 spots up for grab uh, where we take the kids. And we're going to be doing that again this year. And uh, there's a lot of information about that on our blog, actually, uh, about that event. There's a nice video for folks that want to have a look at what we've done and what we're going to be doing. But we're growing from strength to strength and taking kids out there, getting them hunting, getting them passionate about wildlife hunting. And hopefully it will create a sustainable environment for our wildlife and hunting. Let me ask you this. As far as the, let's say, lesser privileged children, uh, their families, where they come from, what is the mindset of the typical South African or, you know, even African, let's just say villager, yeah. when it comes to native wildlife? What do they think of it? Do they realize it's a resource or do they just kind of like uh, take it for granted? 
No, it, there's, there's different areas, and it, it all depends on the education. If the education has been there and the hunter's dollars have been seen, then the, the mindset's a positive one. But where you find the areas where that has not been seen and, and first-hand experience has been experienced with benefits, it, it, it's an ongoing process to try and educate them because to them that's a renewable resource that, yes, it has always been there, but it is taking up the place of their livestock. Uh -huh. They want to farm go goats. They want to farm cattle. They want to farm sheep. And unless we can prove a value to them and the importance of, of uh, preserving and conserving those species that hunters like yourself come out to Africa and hunt, we, we, we're fighting a losing battle. So the more what we can do, what we're trying to achieve at the moment, the better it will be for our wildlife, better it will be for our hunting and for the future. No doubt. What we're trying to achieve. Right on. Okay. Um, well, great stuff, Carl. We're about out of time. If you want to give us a website, and I know you guys uh, have a, all the social media stuff going to people, and you're very active, so people can see what y'all are up to, not just conservation-wise, but, you know, hunts from uh, this year. And and uh, certainly, I know it's uh, summertime over there, so the hunting is kind of uh, wound down. It's the opposite from, from here in the United States. Yeah, it is, Gable. It's uh, our summer down there now. We're prepping, getting ready for the new season. Uh, we'll be on the road in the United States all the way into February. And then we'll uh, head back and start getting our season, get the show on the road season-wise. But for the next month, we're crisscrossing the United States. <laughs> and we'll be in Texas for another week or so. Uh -huh. um, so anybody can contact us via our website. It's www.johnxsafaris.co.za or feel free to link link up with us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, we've got USA mobile numbers they can reach us on as well. And uh, drop us a mail. Catch up. Maybe you're interested in something we've got to offer. Got some fantastic hunts available for 2017. And chat to us about your next African safari. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for the time, Carl. We appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thanks a million, Cable, and thanks for what you guys are doing down Dallas Safari Club. Really awesome show, and uh, looking forward to um, many more years at Dallas Safari Club. No doubt, brother. There he goes, our good friend Carl Van Sale of Johnnick Safaris. Uh, that segment of the program proudly brought to you by STI Guns and Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner and enjoy Rudy's true Texas-style barbecue. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Up next, we've got a lot to get into with one of my favorite huntresses, Melissa Bachman, host of Winchester's Deadly Passion, drops by next right here on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. So wake up now, let's kiss you goodnight. Yeah, the river can wait for another night. We all love fishing, but private water fishing makes the experience even more enjoyable. Private means private, and when you reserve one of over 50 private lakes, that means you're the only one on the water. Lakes are stocked and professionally managed to grow big bass, and most have boats on site at no charge. You'll catch bigger numbers and bigger fish than on public water. Silence, solitude, and no crowds. It's a great way to introduce kids and grandkids into the outdoors. Visit privatewaterfishing.com to become a member today. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution, the System Hog Trap 
Comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Because you're my once in a lifetime girl And I'm not going to let you get away You're my once in a lifetime That's a very old and the motor cars bringing us back on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show brought to you by our friends over at Hop Power Polaris and the good people of Lone Star Beer. I'm your host, Cable Smith. No place I'd rather be than right here talking outdoors with all you fine folks out there. Uh, thank you so much for being here. As we've got a great guest lined up for you, we're going to get into a lot of stuff with Melissa Bachman, host of Winchester's Deadly Passion. But before we do that, this segment of the program brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my mounts, whether that's trout, deer, bear, uh, exotics, alligator, you name it. They do amazing work. They answer the phone when I call, and they offer fast turnaround time. Now with a second location in San Antonio as well. Check them out at gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. All right, uh, let's go ahead and bring her on right now. She is one of my absolute favorite personalities in the hunting community. She's a great role model and a very well-respected huntress. It's my pleasure to welcome Melissa Bachman back to the program. Well, I appreciate it as well. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. Uh, so have you been ringing in the new year with any late-season hunts? Yes, I have been all the way through. Um, I was actually on New Year's Eve. I spent it out in South Dakota. I always go there every year between Christmas and New Year's, and it went all the way down to the last moment, but I got a beautiful, big, heavy buck on New Year's Eve night. So that was fun right at the last <laughs> minute, and then I headed straight to Illinois. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. Well, and, and just looking at uh, some of the episodes here from this season of uh, Winchester Deadly Passion, uh Let's see, just some of the highlights. Brown bear in Alaska, muleys in Nebraska, elk out west, Illinois whitetail, gimsbuck and waterbuck in South Africa, and, and South Dakota whitetails too. So uh, talk about an incredible year. And, I mean, that's stuff that was filmed uh, last year. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it it really has been an awesome time. And one of the things I love the most is bringing other people along. And on this past season, I was able to bring my dad up to Alaska, and he got a really nice black bear. And coming up on this season on Winchester Deadly Passion, I actually brought my mom out to South Carolina for a gator hunt. She was a little skeptical about the gator hunting at first, but she had a blast. And she did an incredible job. She got a ton of them with her bow, and, and we just had an awesome time together. So that's what I enjoy the most. Very cool, very cool. And so on those trips uh, in South Carolina, are you guys doing it like, you know, the swamp people deal, or are you actually, uh, you know, shooting them? Uh, I guess, are you running lines, or, or how are you all hunting right. gators? Right, every state is different. So yeah. when I hunt gators in South Carolina, we actually have private land nuisance tags. Uh-huh. So we can go out and we can use a light at night, and my mom was shooting hers with a bow and arrow. Um, so that makes it really fun. Gators are very territorial. Yeah. So when you get up close to them with a the light, a lot of times they'll stay right there, and you have to make a very good shot because even though a gator is huge, they only have so much skin that an arrow can actually penetrate. So you have to be a really good shot, and we just had an incredible time together. And it's one of those things that people don't always get to see, so it's a really fun show to watch it and to watch my mom experience it for the first time too. Very cool. Yeah. It, well, in Texas, I think we can, you know, we can hunt them that way, or we can run, you know, hook and line, and and that's how mm-hmm. I've done them. So you, you know, you pull it's like swamp people uh, pull them up, and then oh yes, <laughs> uh, shoot. You know, they've got like a, a silver dollar size plate that you just aim at right in their head and. I've always yep. shot them with a 10 millimeter, but it is a rush. And when you're, you know, when the outfitter's like, here, you pull them in. And, and then one time I ended up, <laughs> I ended up, the gator pulled me in the water and that got oh a little my. hairy. They were laughing at me. I was like, this is not funny. <laughs> There's a gator in there. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, yes, it is a rush. Um, you know, you have a wide spectrum of fans and I'm sure quite a few of them are, you know, impressionable young female hunters. So do you take pride in being a role model? for that next generation of huntresses. And uh, I think, you know, with that in mind, you probably have to be pretty careful of the stuff that gets out there on, on social media because, you know, everything you do, any public figure, everything is monitored and scrutinized, you know, so much these days. Oh, absolutely. And I really enjoy it because I do a lot of trade shows all January, February, March, I'll be at shows across the country, meeting kids, meeting new hunters, and I absolutely love it. In fact, I started on my show, so if you watch it Sunday mornings on Sportsman's Channel, you will see that I actually have a segment called Memory Chase, where kids can enter their footage from the field and have a chance to be on TV. They win a brand new mission bow, they win like $1,500 in prizes, plus they get to see themselves on TV. And the reason I created that is I go to these shows, you see these kids, and they love contests. They love to be a part of it. So I thought, what a great way to get the word out, to get them watching TV, and then to get them involved as well. And it really has turned out great. All last season, um, I have been getting so many submissions in, and you see some of the cutest footage. And I actually met a girl at a show who had never hunted, I told her about it, and during turkey season, she went out, filmed an episode, and she was on the show. So <laughs> it's really nice to see that it actually makes a difference, and you might be creating hunters for life because of it. Right. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs to take one new person hunting every year, you know, whether it's your uh, a family member or, uh, you know, just a friend from work. That's, uh, that's a mm-hmm. goal that I think everybody should have because, you know, it truly is the more the merrier. We need all of the... Uh, support in numbers that we can get. Let me ask you this. If you had to choose one, um, which would it be, a bow or a rifle? 
Well, here's the tough part. I just love to be up there hunting. Um, I do a lot with the bow and with the rifle, um, back and forth. But as long as I'm out there, I love it. Um, I probably have done, I'd say, uh, I'd say it's about a 50-50 split between bow and gun. But one thing I do that's a little bit different than others, I like to be nice and close. I like to really put in my time and get, even if I'm using a rifle, I like to try to get inside archery range because to me that's the challenge for me. I like to be in close to have outsmarted a big mature whitetail or whatever I'm after. So that's something I try. Plus, hey, let's face it, it gives you a nice small margin of error. You get excited. I get buck fever just like anyone else. I like to be as close as possible, and it makes for a better show, I believe, in the end. Uh huh. And what is your biggest whitetail to date? The biggest whitetail to date I've ever shot was a few years back in Illinois on a late season hunt, just like I'm doing now. Um, I shot a 202-inch whitetail with my bow after a pack of coyotes chased it to me. So <laughs> it was a pretty awesome, uh, awesome episode. Um, back in one of the first seasons on Winchester Deadly Passion, but it was uh, one that I will never forget. And a lot of people don't do a lot of late season hunting because it's cold, it's not as comfortable. But I truly have had some of the biggest bucks and, and some of the most incredible hunts late season when other people have quit, when the bucks are run down and they're hitting a food source. You get out there, put your time in, it really can pay off nicely. Hmm. Well, yeah, and you mentioned one thing, when the bucks are run down, I think that's probably why those coyotes were keying in on it. People don't realize that uh, after the rut, you know, Whitetail might lose 40% of his body weight. All he's been doing is, is fighting and, and trying to mate for, you know, essentially six <laughs> weeks at that point. And uh, they're in pretty poor condition. And all it takes is, you know, a couple coyotes to start nipping at its Achilles, and, and they can take down a mature trophy Whitetail no problem. Oh, absolutely. And they do all the time. And that's why I also try to always make sure for a little predator control. Growing up, my dad and mom, they loved coyote hunting. We went all the time. In fact, my dad would pull my little brother and I in a sled across the snow in Minnesota out coyote hunting. And, you know, I really think that that's important. Not only is it a fun thing to do late season, but you really do help out some of those fawns and, and some of the bigger bucks and does. I mean, they're run down later on. Those coyotes can tell, and they key right in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you this. I know you've been you've been hunting your entire life. Um, how many years have you been on television as a host now? Uh, I am in my seventh season. I'm filming for Winchester Deadly Passion right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but previously, before that, I was actually a producer and produced episodes for other people and uh, actually started as an intern working for free. So I've been in the television business, I think, 11 years now. Um, but having my own show, I'm in year seven right now. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna was gonna ask you is how did you break into the industry? You know, for any of our our listeners out there who want to pursue in the out uh, a career in the outdoors. Um, so that's right. One of the most important things, I mean, for people who it's the best job in the world. It's, since I was a little girl, all I wanted to do was hunt. I wasn't quite sure how I could make a career out of that right away, but I wanted to be out hunting all the time. And I went to school, I got a a double major in production in Spanish, and I actually went out and applied just like anybody else, and I received all no's. In fact, I got (laughs) 74 people who wrote me back and said, no, we are not interested in hiring you, you don't have the experience. And you want to talk about kind of a a reality check, getting out of college thinking, oh, the whole world's going to want to hire me, 
and then finding out, wait, nobody wants to hire me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually went and worked for free as an intern, got my start um, where I wanted to work the most. I called them back and said, hey, would you be interested in hiring me for free? And they said, well, yeah, we like free labor. <laughs> and that's how I got started. And and I didn't go in asking to be the host. I went in as a cameraman and an editor, and I did it for four years. And even after four years, nobody just said, hey, here's your spot on TV. I actually would work 30, 35 days straight, and then I'd get five days off. And I went out, would film my own my own episodes, edit them, and wait for someone else not to have one, put it in, and, and that's how I got my start on TV. So wow. a lot of times people think, you know, you just get this big break. Uh, it might happen to some people, but you really have to work for it. And if you outwork other people, well, nobody can stop you then. Right, right. And, well, and you said you work for free. I, uh, it's interesting because I actually, you know, we both, it seems like we use our, our college degrees. That's pretty uncommon, it seems like, these days. But I got a degree mm-hmm. in radio, TV, film. But do you think there was a lot of people, uh, you know, especially I got out of college right when Obama got elected the first term, and there was no jobs. Nobody wanted to hire anyone in radio. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. I essentially went to work for free. He might have paid me, you know, minimum wage or something. But moved mm-hmm. to your only option at that point is move to a small town, and kind of mm-hmm. cut your teeth there. And that's that's how I fell yep. into hosting a hunting show. And, and here we are, eight years later, doing it full time and and loving it. Uh, but you know, yeah, you, you really do have to make your own breaks. There's no doubt about that. Um, let me ask you this: as far as and, and I don't know if you ever even think about this, but I, with as much hunting as you've done all over the continent, all over the world, uh, but here in North America. How close are you to taking the Super Slam, um, you know, harvesting all 29 North American big game species? I don't, you might have already done it. I really don't know. No, I have not yet. Um, that is definitely something that is a goal of mine, but it is something that will take some time. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of hunts that I book each year, but I also have to make sure that I stay within my budget constraints, and, and I can't just go do everything I would wish to do. Well, those um, sheep hunts are not case, within many people's budget. Four sheep hunts next year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the way. Oh, we just dropped 200 so, grand here on some sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. No big deal. So, so, you know, that is definitely a goal of mine, but it is something that is going to take some time. Yeah. And you just chip away a little bit at a time, and... I also get caught into going back and doing a lot of the same hunts over and over again because I have so much fun. I meet such wonderful people, and I like to go back. I really like that aspect of it, too. So um, it's going to take me some time, but I will get there eventually. Um, There's no question about it. Right. Well, okay, let me ask you about the elephant in the room. And take us back to November 2013, and you're on a safari in South Africa. You take a beautiful male lion did you imagine the firestorm that would result after that hunt? Absolutely not. And this was actually a time before, really before any social media had had any blow-ups with hunting. or I never thought about it. Yeah, this was pre-everything. There, yeah. there had been nothing like that. And I always was a firm believer in posting things after they happened, um, only for my own safety. Um, I always have had a lot of, you know, odd people that um, I don't really need them to know exactly where I'm at for my own safety. And I think that's something people sometimes need to think about. So I waited till I was actually home before I posted it. And I am very thankful I did that because it blew up bigger than I could have ever imagined. And the firestorm that came after it, and it, it really is scary for when you've done everything legal, you did nothing wrong to get that kind of a reaction. I never expected it. That's not what I wanted. Um, I was not looking for, you know, the 15 minutes of fame in the mainstream media. 
I didn't want any of that. I just wanted to be a hunter. And really, when, what I was most worried about were young girls who would see that and maybe be afraid to go hunting because they didn't want to get bullied. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have thick skin. I can take whatever they want to throw at me. But when people came to my home, I mean, it did get absolutely out of control. Um, but the, the number one thing I was always worried about is what are other young girls out there maybe see this on social media? What if it scares some of them away? So that's what I was mostly concerned about. Right. Yeah, um, my buddy just took one in South Africa about 18 months ago, just got his mount back, and he posts all of his pictures. He, he's not in the hunting industry, but he likes to put his stuff mm-hmm. on social media. And that one, his wife said, we are not putting the lion on social media. So, <laughs> you know, it mm-hmm. is one of, it's one of those. Yeah, and it's different now, there's no question. Yeah. But, you know, and it is still too bad because I'm a firm believer, and if it's a legal hunt, whatever someone wants to go do, I support them, and I just wish that maybe other people had a little bit more to do that weren't just concerned about my life and maybe had a little more going on in their own, I'm not sure. But I just try to promote everything in a positive light, and it was unfortunate, but I think uh, I learned from it. A lot of people did, and, and hopefully we can keep growing as a hunting community and coming together. That's one of the biggest things within our own community. Nothing breaks my heart more than seeing our own hunters kind of squabbling within um so that's something that i always try to drive home to people is do not you know get mad at each other or or argue about the uh, age or size of a buck just be happy for each other Mm -hmm. um that goes a long way oh yeah i mean it's so easy to experience the negativity with social media today it just uh, everybody's an expert, you know, and, and that's okay. Everyone can have their opinion, but the negativity, you know, it, uh, there's no place for it among hunters. We expect it from the anti-hunters, not from within our own range. We don't need so, it within our own community yeah. at all. Absolutely. Uh, well, I know we're about out of time here. Let me ask you one other thing. As far as, um, you talked about, you know, the hunting community sticking together. What about hunting companies that, you know, make millions of dollars off of, uh, loyal customers? And then turn around and don't support uh, hunters' rights. And I'm, you know, go back to the Bomars this summer. I'm sure you're familiar with that situation with Under Armour. <laughs> There's others out there too, but that's the one that comes to to mind first. What, what do you think we? What recourse do we have? I mean, other than just not buying the products. I mean, as hunters, we just have to stand strong as a community. We need to support those who support us. We need to support those who are helping support the networks, the shows, the the hunting lifestyle, because that's really what it is. It's not a, a just a one-time thing. This isn't something we go do one weekend. As hunters, we love it. We live it. Um, it's something that influences our life all over. And you have a choice as a consumer. Um, and I think making those choices wisely it affects people's bottom lines, and when their bottom line is affected, changes happen. So I think that's something is we all need to remember who supports us, and we support those. Go out of your way to do that, and we can make a difference. Well said. The last question, um, like we said, you've been all over the world, hunted uh, so many different species. What's the f- If you had to pick one thing that's at the top of your bucket list that you haven't hunted yet, what would it be? I really would like to go over to Australia and do some of the hunting there, but more specifically, I want to go swimming with the great white sharks when I get over there. Um, That's been a dream since I was a little kid. I want to go do a hunt, see all of Australia, everything they have to offer, but then I want to go down and I want to be right amongst those great white sharks, have them chum all over, and I think it would be one of the most incredible things ever. So that's on the short list. Hopefully within the next couple of years, I can make that happen. 
Perfect, perfect. Well, hey, give us your uh, your social media stuff and you know where folks can find you, and then um, hit on the show time again for Winchester Deadly yeah. Passion. So Winchester Deadly Passion airs every Sunday on Sportsman's Channel year-round, so you'll never miss it. You can check me out on Facebook. You can go to Winchester Deadly Passion or Melissa Bachman. Instagram, Melissa underscore Bachman. And you can go to my website, MelissaBachman.com. We try to keep everything updated. I'm hunting all the time, putting tips, all sorts of things online. So follow me and make sure to check out the show each week on Sportsman's Channel. All right, Melissa. Well, hey, great stuff. We certainly appreciate your time, and I hope you have a great rest of the season. Sounds great. Thank you very much. All right. There she goes. Melissa Bachman from Winchester's Deadly Passion on Sportsman's Channel. I tell you what, that was cool to hear her say that uh, the Super Slam is actually a goal of hers, trying to take all 29 North American big game animals. I'd say that that's a goal of mine as well, (laughs) albeit one that's not very realistic. I will never have $50,000 to drop on a sheep hunt uh, unless I win the lottery. And then, of course, well, I don't know. I think I'd still host this show because I absolutely love hanging out with y'all every weekend, but it'd be pretty tempting just to travel around the world and hunt on my own dime uh, nonstop. But anyway, <laughs> that segment was brought to you by Cotton Mesa Whitetail Ranch in Corsicana, Texas. Uh, if you're looking for an axis hunt this spring, be sure to check them out, and you can find them at cottonmesawhitetail.com. Uh, okay. Oh, I hate this part of the show, y'all. Uh, we've flat run out of time gotta go gotta get out of here uh thanks to all of our guests of course melissa bachman also lily sams and carl van sale from john x safaris we will do it again same time same place next weekend uh y'all be safe out there enjoy uh the last couple weekends of duck season if you've got an mld permit uh hopefully you're still out there chasing big bucks but they are starting to lose their antlers so if you've got one on the hit list you better ground check them soon Good luck to you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors.